It's time to rethink everything, to redo the rule book, to explore smarter ways to work and rediscover what's possible. It's time for a fresh take on how technology and creativity are changing the way work gets done. I'm Barry Ross, and this is The Big Rethink. With climate concerns continuing to mount and Earth Day just around the corner, we wanted to highlight a few of the great conversations we've had with innovative organizations and individuals utilizing technology for a higher purpose. On this episode, we'll hear about everything from the efforts to stop deforestation to the possibilities for a battery-free world and electric flying vehicles. To kick it off, we start with some great insights from a guest who's on the forefront of the fight against deforestation in the rainforest, Topher White, conservation technologist and founder of Rainforest Connection. Here, Topher explains to my fellow host, Brian Riley, why deforestation and illegal logging have such negative impacts on the environment. I was unaware at that point, despite the fact that I was working in nuclear fusion and these other areas that have to do with climate change energy, I was unaware how much um, legal logging contributes to climate change. Uh, I was unaware that deforestation is up to a fifth of all the carbon emissions every year, uh, and that illegal logging, like up to 90% of it, uh, of logging everywhere in the world is illegal. And it's this gateway activity by which, uh, you know, people go in and extract very expensive trees. They can make so much money illegally from doing this that they'll cut roads through the forest. Those roads allow people in, they'll come, they'll burn the forest, they'll create farms, and the forest disappears. And in doing so, that's where a fifth of all the carbon emissions come from. So if you can stop the legal logging, you can stop the, the roads. If you stop the roads, you stop the wholesale destruction. So it's so, just so crazy that by helping people on the ground with a few tech tools, that they could be the difference between, um, you know, major carbon emissions and none at all. Great examples of proactivity and technology having an impact. In this same episode, Topher goes on to explain the complexity of the rainforest ecosystem and his passion for the environment. There's something really interesting about the forest that's it's hard to imagine unless you're there or it's sort of shown to you, is that it's such a dynamic place. Like we think of nature and forest as a calm, you know, relaxed kind of place. It's not like that in the tropical rainforest. It's so dynamic, things are turning over. It's a, it's a constant struggle for survival for everything that's there. Uh, and it's been like that for millions and millions of years. So uh, the same way that these trees will constantly, you know, compete with each other, every sort of block of sunlight that breaks through the canopy will eventually be grown over uh, with, with so much more. The soundscape is kind of like that as well. All the species that have evolved there are, are competing and finding their own niche. So um, every part of the, every single frequency that's not sort of occupied by some animal's call will be filled by another's. And then they'll also choose their like times of day and night. So you have honestly every single frequency from, from, from top to bottom that's filled with some animal asserting itself and making itself known and communicating. And that's where this cacophony of noise comes from. It's, it's really very magical. insight from Tophers about the technology he believes will have major impacts on the fight against deforestation in the future. You mentioned streaming audio, you talk about bulk data. Other to any other technologies, I mean, from your perspective that you think are expected to sort of play this big role in sort of rainforest conservation in the near future? Oh, communications. 
Uh, all, it's all communications, right? I mean, the, the the infrastructure that we rely upon, that we piggyback on, is is, is huge, and that right now takes the form of um, of cell service. Soon it'll be satellite service. It'll be all sorts of things that are there. This is one of those things that just gets better because everyone has a use for it, and that's huge in conservation because it's not necessarily how tech how techy things are. It's the transparency that technology allows allows us to have. So you ask about whether someone can go off in the forest with a blogging truck and cut down trees, and how is it possible that no one knows about it? Well. If they can't do that without getting caught, or they can't get out people knowing, it's it's much harder for them to do it. So, the transparency that uh, the connectivity and infrastructure allows is really the the big boon for for conservation. I think. pivot out of the rainforest and into the world of batteries, energy harvesting, and the opportunities solar power holds to reduce electronic waste. I asked David Sue, CEO of Atmospheric Technologies, to explain energy harvesting and why it makes a difference to the environment. How would you explain then the concept of, to someone like me, right, what energy harvesting is? That, that's a good question. Uh, energy harvesting has been around for a long time. And it's actually a very simple concept at, at the core of it. And uh, obviously, many people have uh, different spins on it. The way I would explain it is, it's a concept of capturing energy around us to power devices that we have, as opposed to taking it from the, uh, a battery or plug it into a power core. So, so that is the, the general piece of it. It's not really magical. You can look at it as in it's a disputed way of power generation. You are generating your power locally versus at a power plant. So, so if you look at it from that point of view, and uh, from that point of view, energy harvesting is actually not that magical. On the larger scale, we are quite familiar with solar panel on people's rooftop. You see that this day. Uh, obviously, that is harvesting a lot of energy. Right. Uh, yeah, for IoT, we're talking about much lower power consumption. And now you don't need a big solar panel. You can do it with a something in the order of less than 10 square centimeter type of solar cells that, for example, Panasonic has a lot of those. And you can see, see that leads to a slightly different type of use case environment around allowing solutions that can work much, much longer in battery life. And in many cases, battery free. I'll give you an example. I actually have a... Uh, solar wristwatch and it's been running for 15 years and the beauty of it is i never had to worry about battery change so it's real he's been wearing the same solar-powered watch for 15 years. It's a great use case for the longevity of this alternative power source. There's one trend that I personally find very encouraging, is that as consumers, we are beginning to be much more aware of the total cost of ownership for our purchases. You can see that around, for example, light bulbs. We are all willing to pay more for that LED light bulb because we know that at the end of the day, 
it saves money to us because you pay less electricity bills. Even smoke detectors these days, I was at a local store recently, you can now buy them for 10 years at a time. You no longer need to change battery every year or worry about the chirping in the middle of the night. So, so, so that trend I think is very interesting and I think it's continuing on to connected devices now. You can see people launching products that are PV remote, uh, solar power keyboard, as I mentioned, calculators earlier. And I felt like that level of uh, the trend line 20 years from now, it'd be very interesting to see what additional device beyond the ones we mentioned, calculators, for example, are now running without batteries. We'll close with a segment from a great discussion on a role that electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft could play in reducing carbon emissions and transforming the travel industry. Let's listen to a conversation Brian had with Alakai Technologies co-founder, Brian Morrison, and BMW Group Design Works, Peter Fault. How do you think Sky itself and its zero carbon and pollution will sort of influence the industry or even other industries like to consider the sky as sort of a more desirable course and sort of to focus on sustainability in travel uh, versus sort of what we're seeing uh, in, in some of the travel today. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that, Brian. So to me, that's really the, the crux of the design is having a vehicle that can go and transport people completely, you know, not just carbon neutral, but with zero pollution footprint at all. Um, and that can be all the way from the inception of the hydrogen, all the way through putting it in the vehicle, operating the vehicle, uh, getting you to your destination. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm, you know, a little too, too biased in my thinking on this, but there's no reason that that can't become the prevalent means of propulsion, whether it be for fixed wing aircraft, even large aircraft. There's a lot of research going on with Airbus and Boeing these days aimed at how do we get to a hydrogen powered vehicle? Now that might be 15 or 20 years from now before they get to that point, but I'm hoping that we can help sort of pave the way for others to follow and accomplish the same thing to drive down the amount of pollution that uh, it takes to get people moved around in our environment. Yeah, it's interesting. When I was reading, um, I think uh, it was an interview that you did um, with In the News, and you had talked about sort of some of the, the challenges with the FAA. And, and I think, interestingly enough, um, it appears as though you have people's attentions. I think, you know, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, th I think in, in one of the, the quotes that you had had, you had mentioned that, you know, you'd go into rooms for other projects and there'd be, you know, a few people that would be there, but you've had no shortage of people who have shown up to meetings that you've had in regards to this topic. So, I'm curious. I mean, is it is it the the carbon footprint component of it? Is it the change in the way in which we see air travel? What is it that you think has the most interest? What's driving that? Without sounding like I'm, you know, beating our own drum here, um, I think the combination of, I mean, other people are doing electric vehicles, other people are doing EV tolls, 
but we're the only one that's doing an electric hydrogen fuel cell powered vehicle that brings all of those technologies, all of those concepts together and coalesces it into a single design that my expectation is we're gonna be the first to certify in this space. And I think the FAA folks, we have had tremendous support from the FAA. They love the program, they love the project. Uh, they're you know, super supportive in, in reviewing documents and get, getting back to us. Uh, they too wanna to see this succeed, not to the point where they're gonna bend the rules, but they absolutely are invested in a clean fuel vehicle for the future of, of transportation. I hope you enjoyed listening back in these conversations with people who are dedicated to creating technology that betters our planet, stifles hurtful environmental practices, and we hope one day we'll offer a more sustainable way to move throughout our planet. If you want to hear the full episodes, they're available on our website or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can help us grow by visiting our feed on iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe. Or if you're listening on Spotify, be sure to hit follow. And that's it for us. I'm Barry Ross, and that was another episode of The Big Rethink. Thank you.